0: What up? What up? What up? It's your host, not not danger. It's Emmerich, again, back with Brewery Mark sans Danger for at least one more week. Uh, had some issues with a belt, not a you know, not a, like a not some pants belt, but like a car belt. So uh, he won't be joining us today. But Mark, how you doing?
1: Doing good. Another Wednesday night, and I'm super excited. Tomorrow is kickoff, and you know how I love showdowns. So. Buffalo, L.A., I am all about that.
0: Yeah, uh, not excited about a showdown. Uh, Showdowns (laughs) uh, are terrible. Uh, And I I think I'm going to promise myself that I'm not going to play a ton of them uh, this year. I'll probably play like a handful of lineups tomorrow, maybe two or three. Just something really light because... I mean, you know, football is back and and while I, I trash on the product uh, midseason, you know, it's always exciting to get it back. Like whenever a sport comes back out, it, it's great. Like, hey, I haven't had this in so many months, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, uh, anything. And then, you know, as the season progresses, it's like, God, what a terrible product this is. But not, <laughs> not you know, hey, not, not initially, right? Uh, so right. we're excited. We've got a game. Uh, you know, I moved around some of my appointments. I did what I had to do. Uh, they originally had me scheduled really, really late. I moved that up an hour and a half. And so I'll be good. I'll be able to, uh, you know, catch the entire game. My wife's not excited. Uh, she prefers League of Legends season. Quite frankly, I do too. Uh, but I'm not totally sure why, because, uh, my time commitments are, are, much much more demanding uh in season for that is that
1: because uh she's sleeping while you're watching league of legends overnight
0: (laughs) no i don't i I really don't know like uh, quite frankly because when it comes down to it you know i'm doing uh several several hours of shows then Uh, maybe she's thinking like my schedule from last year which is not going to be the same for football i mean last year you know it was like one to two shows during the week uh one to two shows on Saturday and then a Sunday commitment and then you know the the main room uh of our place is then committed to you know the multiple TVs let's go let's watch this and uh, right. uh you know so so there's all that um so I'm not sure I don't know she doesn't like it she doesn't like watching League of Legends either so I mean I don't I don't I don't I don't see what the uh the difference is but <laughs> nevertheless uh, so we're here. We're going to be running this just me and you. Uh, Danger couldn't make it, as I said in my intro, and maybe I've got to kind of refine the intro for this show because, I, you know, I didn't know what to go with. I, I kind of just went off from uh, from the hip. Uh, felt like it could have been better, but that's okay. Uh, hey, that's, that's all right.
1: That's what, how we do it around here.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it is what it is, and it'll continue to be that. But let's go ahead. Let's dive right in to the first and foremost part of the show that isn't the namesake. What kind of beer are you drinking?
1: Okay, so uh, this popped up uh, in Meyer's, uh online cart today. So I went curbside, so never had these before. This is um, a Blood Orange IPA from 21st Amendment Brewery, which is an excellent brewery, but I've never tried it. So we're gonna give it a go here. They got a nifty little can. I even got a uh, clear cup here so everybody could see the pour.
0: Gotta get some of that carbonation out of there. It's too, that's too clean of a pour there. Ah. It's, you're just that's just because I'm, I'm a professional. That's not a professional pour. That's a. That's yeah, it's right
1: pour. there, man. Two fingers. Look at that. Look at that. Perfect, a perfect head.
0: I myself uh, have a three Floyds. Uh, Barbarian haze IPA as I was telling you behind the the behind the scenes that's at, at the 3 month mark it's all right it's getting better i don't know maybe i'll try a second one i obviously have 6 so i will drink all of those i just don't know if i'm going to drink them tonight probably not but it's all right i've got some wine here nice little cap because uh we're cultured uh, at draffer upside and uh you know we we've got to talk about some some cultured football and there's no better way to do that and talk DFS and talk uh player props and everything else that we're gonna talk about, you know, with a nice cab, uh ten dollars on sale. So it's cheap. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's start this off. Let's talk about uh the first game, and I'm gonna just kick it over to you. Uh we have the defending champions 14 and 2, uh, I think in the last 16 games, uh, when they open up at home. Uh, on this Thursday night game, or I don't even know if it's gone that far back, but I know that they're like 14 and two or something like that. I saw that stat, uh, the Rams, the, this line has changed drastically over the last couple of days. Uh, we, or maybe not, I don't know. Like, I think what they have, uh, the Rams plus three, is that what it is? Three and a half, something like that. Two and a half. Maybe I should have looked this up.
1: (laughs) It was two and a half,
0: uh, yesterday. I've seen two and a half. I've seen it down at one. Uh,
1: And it was uh, the Bills. So,
0: uh, Pulling it up. See where it is. Okay, yeah, so they're plus two now, minus two for for Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo comes in as the Super Bowl favorite. Uh, You know, per some information that you put, I think you kind of have to pick one of these two teams and just go with the quarterback in your lineup. But what are your other thoughts on this game uh, and just the the fantasy outlook for these two teams overall?
1: Well, I think you're looking at two of the top offenses in the NFL. So it's just a matter of do they explode against each other? Because they both have somewhat decent defenses, more against the run than they do against the pass. Um, If you kind of look at some of the stats, uh, especially in a showdown situation on Thursday night – And some of this is going to conflict because, like, um, uh, the Rams are uh, almost unbeatable on opening day, right? They're just incredibly good first day, especially when they're at home. Um, However, uh, the favorite, the Team Vegas favorites on the first showdown of the year. Always covers the spread. It's like it's like ninety percent. <laughs> um, so you got to kind of look at that. Um, a few other things for if you're playing showdowns is quarterbacks are in a winning roster eighty percent of the time. Doesn't matter if they're captain. Doesn't matter if they're in the flex. Doesn't matter which quarterback. Just a quarterback needs to be in your lineup on a showdown. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, when it comes to what the public looking at, we're looking at 56% of public bettors betting on uh, Buffalo and the spread. Uh, that number jumps up to 62 when you take the money line into a, uh, consideration. And then a 75% on the over. Uh, so people expect that these two offenses, and I think rightfully so, early season, um, high-power offenses, fully healthy, are really going to take off and have a big game. And what do we have in big games Mark? We have touchdowns, right? There's touchdowns. Right. But no matter what, no matter what game you're playing, no matter how many touchdowns there are, there's only one first touchdown. And there's only one first <laughs> touchdown scorer. So, you know, when we look at that, uh, it any idea on where you'd want to go? First touchdown scorer has some some really good odds because of how, you know, how many threats there are on these teams. You got Cooper Cup at plus six fifty, and that's that's the lowest. Uh, yeah, I was Davis gonna say. That's,
1: I think that's the obvious pick is Cooper Cup. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, a couple of these other ones that I really do like. I like an Isaiah McKenzie plus two thousand. I like Josh Allen plus thirteen hundred. I like now one of the highest paid tight ends in the entire league dawson knox plus 1300 and an allen robinson plus 1000. uh so these are all these are all places i might sprinkle a little bit and probably play a little bit more on the prop side of things than i am at dfs but who's your favorite captain that's not cooper cup or is cooper cup your favorite captain despite the price that he probably carries
1: i uh, no, he he is not and it's and it is because Two things: the price and the ownership. <laughs> I expect everybody to be playing Cooper Cup or Josh, A- Josh Allen in the captain slot, so I won't be playing them as much. Um, and by much, I say I am gonna. Fa- I'm gonna have them there, but out of like ten lineups, maybe one or two of each. My favorites right now are Gabriel Davis and Allen Robinson. They're in a very good price range where you can fit them into the captain and still roster a top quarterback and a top receiver. So you could go a Davis-Diggs-Josh Allen lineup or a Stafford-Cup-Allen-Robinson lineup and not be hurt too bad on the low end. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, if you are putting like a Cooper Cup in the captain spot and then you're going with a a Matt Stafford per kind of the – the tidbits that you said earlier uh or or maybe just released to the uh, draft for upside uh discord um you, you got to have stafford in there that's a ton of salary you know where are you going to save some money regardless of whether you have cooper cup as your captain or not i think the majority of people will probably go to the aforementioned isaiah mckenzie down at yeah. 2400 um but i don't know like do you do you take a more balanced approach and try and jam in like a dawson knox and then? Allen Robinson, uh, any interest in a guy like Cam Akers who uh, I don't know if he's fully healthy. I don't think that he is. And how much is he really going to, you know, how much work is he going to see? And is he going to score a touchdown is the big thing.
1: Yeah. So running backs, in my mind, are a question mark in this game. The, The strength of both defenses are against the run. And like you said, Cam Akers, we don't know how healthy he actually is. He's he's kind of an upper middle salary. I found myself rostering Henderson more um, with the cost savings you get in that salary. Um, uh, McKenzie, I think will is going to be insanely owned at his price. (laughs) He he could, he could easily be 40% owned in this slate um, at the price that he's at. Uh, If you're looking for, Downright bottom basement bargains so you can roster a lot of stuff. What we need to look at is the injury status of Van Jefferson at game time. Because if he doesn't play, the Rams have two dirt-cheap receivers. He's
0: uh he's not playing. He's been ruled out already.
1: He's been ruled out. Great. So then what you're going to see is uh, Ben Skronek and Tutu Atwell splitting the third wide receiver spot. And they are at $1,800 and $1,000 respectively. So that gives you some flexibility there. Don't don't expect a ton, but they will they will each get snaps. They will each get a ball or two at them, and maybe you can get lucky and get a touchdown or fifty yards or something.
0: Okay. Well, look, like I said, I'm not excited about the showdown. So that's I, I mean that's that's the gist of it. So let's let's move on to the the real games. The games okay. that are on the main slate. Well, oh, and,
1: by, and, and by the way, for our for our audience, um, I have a complete breakdown of this showdown in our private Discord. And right now, you can get that free until October 1st by signing up at our Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash draft for upside.
0: Awesome. Well, let's hop right into it, Mark. We've got the New Orleans Saints at Atlanta, and... divisional game. It uh, looks like they're a five-and-a-half-point uh, favorite here. Falcons looking to be uh, possibly one of the worst teams in the league. But there there are some pieces here that you might be interested in. This game has a really low total. Um, you know what What's the outlook here? What are you looking at? Is there anything that interests you?
1: Uh, a ton on the New Orleans side. Um, I'm a huge fan of New Orleans this year. Um, if you look last year, uh, Jameis game one last year through five touchdowns, didn't get a lot of yards, but he had five touchdowns this year. He's got Michael Thomas in the game. He's got Camara in the game. Um, they added, uh, more to the offensive line. They all already have a, uh, upper middle half defense. So I really see New Orleans kind of rolling Atlanta here a little bit. Um, so man, I'm first, first roster I made had, a. Uh, Jameis is the quarterback, and uh, and Camaro is my running back. That was kind of my combo.
0: Yeah, Camaro coming in, uh, you know, on early projections, relatively low owned compared to the field, uh, seventy six hundred. Uh, I think he's in a fantastic spot, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, especially if you think that New Orleans is able to, you um, know, control this game. And I mean, this is a big spread for a road. You know, road team in week one, but this Falcons team, we're just not necessarily sure what we're going to see with Marcus Mariota now at the helm. Um, this weird trio of running backs with Patterson, Damian Williams, uh, Tyler Algier—is that how you say it? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, don't yeah, yeah, I think things.
1: it's Algier, yeah. Um,
0: and then just a, a really ragtag group of uh, wide receivers with. Brian Edwards, Drake London, uh, the big OZ, and Cutter Daryl Hodge. Uh, outside of, like, Kyle Pitts, is there anything that interests you in this? And e- even does Kyle Pitts interest you at 5,700? Um,
1: I mean, a little bit. I, I think there's better values out there. When we get to the uh, Lions game, we'll talk about both of those tight ends. And uh, I think that's probably a, a better place to land.
0: Gotcha. All right. So I think we're in agreement on Alvin Kamara. Uh, do need to kind of just get a little bit more depth on what exactly is happening in the, you know, from the health of how much is Michael Thomas going to play? I mean, by all accounts, he should play the full game. But how does his role change with a guy like Jarvis Landry, you know, on this team, uh, who traditionally ran a lot of slot routes? someplace that Michael Thomas has been, uh, utterly dominant and is this going to change his role and how does that change the you know fantasy outlook for a guy that we really haven't seen in the field very much for the last two years so a lot of questions there it's not my favorite place but certainly this is a game that that has um, I don't know I think it has more of a tendency to pop off than Vegas is giving it credit for uh, but it could be sloppy it's not going to be like beautiful crisp football it could be a sloppy kind of slugfest divisional teams playing for the first time Uh, this season and and some points could be scored. Let's talk about the next game on the slate. This is a game. One of many revenge game narratives. Uh, we've got the Cleveland Browns traveling to Carolina to play the Panthers and their newly appointed quarterback, the former quarterback for the Browns. We've got Baker Mayfield, uh, getting his first start outside of a Browns uniform against the Browns. Uh, I it seems kind of suspect to me. I, I think somebody manipulated the schedule a little bit here. <laughs>
1: right. Right. Yeah. Um I, the funny thing is, is uh this is one of those narratives I you shouldn't buy in the everybody listening, you should not buy in the narratives, but for some reason I'm buying into this one. I just I just really think Baker is incredibly pissed at
0: Cleveland for the
1: way everything went down.
0: He seems like a vengeful guy, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, chip so, on his shoulder type of dude.
1: Yeah, so I I really think this, this will be his best game of the year if he has a good game this year, is kind of how I feel about it. So I, I am building a couple of Baker lineups just to see if I can take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he's super inexpensive at 5,300. Obviously has some really good weapons. Uh, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, um, both of these guys are vastly underperformed. You know, from a season-long standpoint, and and almost week-long or weekly in DFS for different reasons. Robbie Anderson really just didn't catch anything and just never caught fire. This guy was a darling of fantasy draft football touts last year preseason before the games. Everybody was telling you to grab him uh, in that sixth to ninth round thing. Nobody's talking about that type of thing anymore. Robbie Anderson was a complete bust, uh, and I think that there are are quite a few. You know as i'm scrolling through my tiktoks man these fantasy football uh, content creators are just out in numbers some of them are good some of them have good information some of them really suck some of them are really bad maybe i would be bad too if i was doing it i'm not saying that the information i'm giving here is correct but look uh a lot of these guys are probably fucking the same guys that were all over Robbie Anderson. And I've got a bone to pick with most people, even people that I have a fair amount of respect. And this DJ Moore, DJ Moore at 6,000 is fantastic from a DFS standpoint, but I don't really know where all of this hype surrounding DJ Moore has come from. Yes, he's been a consistent like wide receiver too, in fantasy for the you know last however many years. And yes, you know, theoretically you can say that Baker is one of the better quarterbacks that he's ever played with. But like yeah. I, I mean, DJ Moore at the beginning of the last season was the only guy, the only guy Sam Darnold threw to. It was DJ Moore and CMC, and that's it. This guy was getting 10-15 targets, and then he kind of just fell off. Robbie Anderson never got the Uh, I guess the thing is that DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson dealt with a lot of uncatchable balls. Sam Darnold was like the least accurate quarterback in the NFL last year. And uh, Baker for what it's worth is fairly accurate. I don't know, man, like this, this is not a game that I want a lot of exposure to. I have Christian McCaffrey coming in as one of the highest owned uh, guys on the entire slate at 8,500. I mean, I just, I don't think I can do it. This isn't the spot. I don't like anything here. With one exception, Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb at six thousand five hundred scores a touchdown. I love playing Nick Chubb. Uh, he's always just that one run away. It feels like this dude is like per like perennially at ninety six yards, and just you just waiting for him to get that like extra four yards to get the three point bonus. Yeah, but,
1: yeah, I can I can buy Nick Chubb easily. I, I would say in a GPP, I'm not playing CMC. He's going to be way too owned. Um, I don't mind him in cash if he can fit his salary in. I mean, this is the cheapest you're going to get him all year. Um, DraftKings released their pricing so far in advance that everybody's priced really low. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to do one Baker lineup, and it'll probably be a Baker-CMC combo just to see if i can take advantage of that narrative and that's it
0: fair fair um any interest and in the tight ends in this game uh david njoku uh harrison bryant both of these guys i mean njoku more than anything is a guy that i feel people have wanted to be good and he is good but he's just never gotten the volume i saw a lot of hype Over in the Dr. Roto Discord, a lot of people liking Njoku, thinking that maybe Percet, this is a guy that likes to throw to his tight ends, doesn't have a lot of arm strength, isn't very good. Does David Njoku at 3,900, do you fall into that trap again, Mark? Like, it feels like a trap. It feels like something that you just keep going back to, and you're losing a finger every time, and then the next thing you know, you got a little stump on your arm.
1: Yeah, again, I... I think there's better tight ends out there. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not it's not a terrible play if you need the. Mark, it's a terrible selling. play. It's a terrible. Okay, play. all right. And I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Be nice though, yeah.
0: I mean, I guess if you build your lineup and then like you're you know you got your stacks, you got your correlation, you're feeling good, you got to put your tight end slot. You got 3,900 somehow. I, I mean, I think you could do worse. I mean, I, I think I'd rather him than a guy like Hunter Henry or or Gerald Everett, if all things are are equal. Now, if those guys fit in more to kind of what my lineup is trying to say, then maybe, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, I just don't know what kind of upside he necessarily has. Even if he scores a touchdown, uh, is he going to get two? And Probably not. Uh, right. Has he ever scored two touchdowns? It feels like he scored two touchdowns at some point. I don't know. He scored like four touchdowns last year, so I think it's probably highly unlikely that he scores two um, on, on Sunday. But, you know, like weirder things have happened
1: yeah i mean yeah i'm kind of with you i mean if you need the salary savings he's not bad at the low end here actually i probably i don't know if i'd go lower maybe commit but
0: i mean i think the thing that you have to ask yourself is if you do build that lineup in that hypothetical situation that i laid out uh you need to change something like some like your lineup's not good going with david njoku who, who you know, at his best, his absolute ceiling uh, or, or regularly achieved ceiling is maybe 3x this. That's not going to get it done. Yeah, back in October of 2021 against the Chargers, he had a 30-point just kind of explosion, seven for 149 and a touchdown. I don't see that happening. And if it does, congrats to the guys that had the balls to play Njoku. That's not me. Let's talk about one of the premier games on the slate. Man, two titans uh not the titans but two just juggernauts in the nfl super bowl contenders quite possibly we've got the jacksonville jaguars we've got the washington newly minted commanders uh, a lot of sarcasm in the opening introduction but these teams have some new weapons there's a little bit of hype surrounding them mark what's your take on this game a 43 and a half over under not particularly exciting
1: uh yeah it's it, it, it seems like a really boring game to me. I, I, yeah, I was going through the DFS lineups and looking at this game and seeing if I could play anybody, and I, man, I'm just not feeling it.
0: Okay, I mean, look, they're. There's something to be said about a guy like Christian Kirk at 5100. I think he's definitely playable. That seems like a fair price. Uh, this Jacksonville team probably is going to be playing from behind in a lot of situations. Maybe not here, but this is in Washington. They are on the road. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I I like Kirk here. Uh, the other guy that I think is kind of sneaky, uh, and look, you know, if if you're a viewer from the shark coat. You know we like Sneaky Betty, but let's talk about okay. Sneaky Curtis Samuel. 4,200, a guy that uh, I think is really sneaky, even in like best ball drafts if you're still doing some underdog, getting him in the super late rounds. Uh, almost forgotten in this offense because he just hasn't been there. He hasn't been healthy. Curtis Samuel, I think, could pop off uh, you know, for a, a big game, uh, not just here, but at other points during the season. So any thoughts now that i said curtis samuel does that kind of does that interest you
1: no not really i mean i really don't have a lot of faith in carson Wentz, and uh, given what i know about ron rivera this is going to be a more of a run first offense so i'm not not really buying into it
0: well if we're talking about run first offenses since there was a shooting and there was a commander's running back who was set to possibly take over first and second down work, maybe a three down back. Uh, Antonio Gibson. This is a guy that you can get really cheap right now in best ball. And if you're still drafting, um, you're still drafting your season long teams. I stole this guy in the like ninth or 10th round of a draft. Uh, Look, anybody who's listened the last couple of weeks knows that I'm not super high on Antonio Gibson futures, but uh, just in the short term, this week one, this is a game that I think he's going to have a big workload, and I think he has the opportunity to win this job and cement it. If he sucks, he sucks. That's fine. But like at 5,800, he's commanding a little bit of ownership. I'm I'm kind of interested in Antonio Gibson here, and I think that the ownership where I'm projecting it out right now it just looks like it's going to be a little bit higher than what I think. And I think as long as you get into like those single entries and those three maxes and some of these smaller kind of field tournaments, I think that ownership is going to be uh, extremely low sub 10%.
1: Yeah. I, and I agree with that. And uh, in this game, Antonio Gibson is probably my favorite play, especially at the prices that he's at. He's going to, he's going to be a three down back, but, The only, my only concern is they made it a priority to get JD McKissick back, which tells you that the team doesn't have any faith in Antonio Gibson. He's going to get this because of the unfortunate shooting, but I I would say this is the week to play him. He's not ever going to be, he's not going to be this cheap again next week. He's in a good situation. Uh, I would put him in.
0: Yeah, I'd rather play Antonio Gibson than, like, a J.D. McKissick at 5,100. Uh, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, one of the guys that has low ownership but has had a lot of buzz is ETN. And whew, 5,600, it is tempting. What I've seen a lot uh, in, in, in some of these uh, – You know, videos and things that pop up in my feed and my for you is people talking about guys like ETN or guys like Michael Thomas, who we mentioned earlier, like he's really got to show me first before I roster them. And that's the, I think that's the complete wrong way to approach it. Like if he's shown you that he's going to be, you know, an every down back, or he's shown you that he's going to have good production, two things are going to happen. First and foremost, his price is going to go way up. Yep. second he showed everybody else and they know it so you really got to be early to these type of parties and I think ETN um, at what his projected ownership is uh it, with all the buzz and everything and all the hype surrounding it you know maybe this this Washington defense sucks like I, I think that there's still this uh, I don't know they, they still have this reputation from the defense from two years ago last year was not a good defense Chase Young is not playing in week one uh they're not really happy with him either. So, you know, I don't know, man. I think ETN, I think Gibson, both of these guys are, are kind of interesting to kind of sneak in there. It is a 43, not my favorite place. Um, wow. Let's go on to a game that I think you have been waiting for us to talk about. You and I are exponentially higher on one of these teams than probably the field, <laughs> probably than we should be. Maybe it's because you've been drinking some of those beers when you are – uh, watching some hard knocks, but we've got the Lions <laughs> four point dogs to the visiting Eagles. Jalen hurts like is projecting to be the highest owned quarterback, 6,800. Yeah, the Lions are absolutely terrible at not only stopping the run, but they've been bad at stopping running quarterbacks. And this Philadelphia team scored a ton of touchdowns in the Lions last year. Did they not? Am I, am I remembering that correctly?
1: No, you remember it Right. Uh,
0: right, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they don't really have a clear running back. You know, Miles Sanders, uh, a little banged up. You've got Gainwell. You've got Boston Scott. I don't know. Maybe it's Hurts. Maybe it's a Hurts-AJ Brown stack. Maybe it's a hurts Devonte Smith stack that you go with, and you run it back with Amon ross St. Brown or maybe some DJ Chark. This game is going to be popular all over the place. People are yeah. going to want to play Swift. Uh, what, what's your read here? Because I know you were talking about Hawkinson and, and Godard. Those, those were guys that you kind of uh, kind of mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, so um, if I'm remembering correctly, Detroit was number one, was last in the league against the tight ends last year, and Philadelphia was second last in the league to tight ends last year. Um, so here, I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't know how the rest of the DFS field is thinking about this, but this is a case where I'm building a double tight end lineup.
0: Oh. oh, Mark, that is disgusting.
1: It is, but man, if there's ever a case for it, this is it. This this, this will be the best game for both of these tight ends to go. And we're talking about Jalen Hurts. I, I really think he's going to have a good game. So, you know, my main stack here is going to be Hurts and Goddard with a Hawkinson run back
0: yeah so the eagles were one of the worst teams against tight ends they allowed uh more receptions 107 than any other team 14 touchdowns which also led the league detroit was ironically one of the highest in yards allowed second highest looks like yeah second highest Didn't allow a lot of touchdowns to tight ends, but that's basically because they just gave it to to running backs and guys running in. But um, that's interesting. Look, I I think that that's a good strategy when we're talking small fields. It's definitely not something that uh, like a double tight end lineup just – I don't know, man. Like it just doesn't feel like that's a, like a milli maker, especially if you're playing in like one of these mega huge milli maker, like the five dollar where you have uh, uh, people just getting tickets, or is it ten? I don't know. I don't know uh, how many
1: how many people in there are gonna play double tight end. That's
0: like a no no. Well, well, this is correct. While you will have a unique lineup, I I just don't think you're giving yourself any win equity. That is what the problem is. The ceiling on that player that set that that flex flat is so so valuable the score that you're going to need in such a mega large gpp like that i'm going to tell you that like i don't have to look at the sims to know that um a lineup with goddard and hawkinson shows up in the optimal like never (laughs) Uh, like so um maybe one of those two guys or or some variations but yeah like look if you're playing like i don't know a thousand person or less or five hundred person or less or you know, something like that. I think that that's viable. I I think you might want to move that maybe over more to quite possibly something like uh, FanDuel. Uh, I think FanDuel putting that in the flex spot, still the same thing exists. You're just taking away a lot of win equity from yourself and your absolute ceiling. But, Mark, I know that you built a a crazy parlay. And, you know, it's one of those things for me that I I feel like I want to believe that the Lions are going to win this game. It feels like – I feel like it's a trap, man, because I I feel this way. You feel this way. The echo chamber in which we are operating and working in uh, seems to think that way. But you go outside of our bubble and you start browsing Twitter, you know, TikTok, outside stuff like that that's, that's doesn't seem to be a commonly shared belief
1: no uh, and it's probably the hype right i mean i got i got done with hard knocks this morning and man i just i want to see Aiden hutchson i want to see rodrigo out there just smashing people um you know i want i want to see this offense go out there under the new offensive coordinator and see what they can do i i don't know i'm just i'm I'm excited. I think Detroit's going to surprise a few people. This might not be the game, but it feels like the game we have. We have a sellout first game to sell out in a couple of years. And um, I don't know. It, it's probably just the hype of being a Detroit fan. But I'm just I'm just feeling Detroit can squeeze this out at home.
0: Fair, fair. Well, let's go to a game that has a little bit of a bigger line. Uh, We've got the Baltimore Ravens visiting the New York Jets. Uh, New York Jets obviously had a a bit of a setback. They're going to be playing uh, against, uh, or the New York Jets are going to have a quarterback that used to play for the Ravens and Joe Flacco many, many years ago. Some kids might remember if you're old enough. Uh, The problem with this Baltimore offense for me is I really want to, I want to attack the Jets on the ground to some extent, Uh, knowing that Baltimore is going to run a lot more two tight end sets with Mark Andrews, Lightley, and I say Likely. And I think that just allows them to run the ball a little bit more. But there's just not a clear uh, hierarchy in the backfield with Dobbins quite possibly hurt. So then if I don't want to do that, maybe I go to the passing game and I take a look at a guy like, I don't know, uh, Rashad Bateman and play him with Lamar Jackson. I'm really, really, really digging this as an opportunity to play Jackson. He's one of my guys on my short list and probably one of the few premierly priced quarterbacks that I'm considering. Um, but then the decision is, do I want to play Likely? Do I want to play Andrews? Both of those guys are on opposite sides of the pricing spectrum. Mark Andrews is just mega expensive, and I'm already paying a lot to, to get uh, Lamar. In. Maybe I just leave them off. Maybe this is a single stack type of thing. Uh, and I go with, a, a, a Bateman Lamar Jackson on the New York side, probably nothing. Uh, yeah. What do you think? You're muted. Uh,
1: sorry about that. Yeah. No um, yeah. So I'm, I'm right along with you. Um, Lamar and Andrews, they're they're just too high priced. I don't think it's a good proposition to get them both in the same lineup. Um, you're gonna just sacrifice too much elsewhere. I love Bateman. That's that's a great a great uh, pivot. Yeah, on the Jets side, God, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna get out of Flacco. So yeah I don't see where I'm playing any Jets in this game
0: all right moving right along we've got another divisional matchup. uh the Pittsburgh Steelers uh traveled to Cincinnati to play the uh you know play these this Bengal team that made it to the Super Bowl ran you know ran like the Sun I don't know I think that this team might be in for um you know some disappointment a lot of people are going to play joe burrow i think a lot of people are going to play t higgins and jamar chase and um i don't know like maybe i just avoid this game altogether um one guy that's popping uh actually the both of the running backs here are looking to have pretty high ownership and i'm just not buying the hype around look joe mixon is a guy that i defended last year uh joe mixon last year was drafted in season long as a like kind of a fringe rb1 rb2 somewhere in the second round either early or late Joe Mixon I saw going in the first round at times uh I've seen him like talked about in a way I just I don't see him having the same type of touchdown upside that he did last year I don't think he's going to be involved in the passing game nearly as much as he has in the past and that's not even to say a ton at 7100 and a 20 percent projected ownership Joe Mixon just does not seem like it's it for me. Najee Harris, same type of situation, 6,400, projected ownership above 20, near 25%. And this guy is just clearly a volume-based back. Like uh, people like to talk about him and think that he's um, explosive or, or or maybe they don't. Like I don't know. It's, it's, purely oppor- or it's purely opportunity with this guy. He touched the ball a ton. I think he had two runs over 10 yards all of last year.
1: Right, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's completely volume. He's, he's involved in every play. He gets a lot of targets, a lot of catches. So he's valuable in draft Kings from that st- standpoint, because it's a full point PPR less so on fan duel. Um, but he, he is a high salary. He's going to be hard to fit in. I, I don't mind him in a cash lineup. Um, but there's, there's probably there, there's definitely better values. Um, and better smash spots for a GPP type lineup here. And with the ownership, yeah, it, it it's just too high. You can't, you can't play him. If you expect to win these mass multi entries.
0: Fair, fair. Well, let's move on. We're running. We're running. I think we're on time here. As long as we start to speed up a little <laughs> bit, uh, we've got another divisional matchup. And this, this is a game that, really has piqued my uh, kind of, I don't know, my curiosity on what I think is going to happen. There's a lot of moving parts here, and then both of these teams don't necessarily profile as ones that I have a good read on. We've got the uh, New England Patriots going to Miami, three-point dogs against kind of a new-look Miami offense. This defense is, still leaves a lot to be desired, but they have you know certain schemes and things that can confuse a kind of really bland uh, New England offense. Now, Mac Jones was a rookie last year. He performed admirably. Is he going to take a step forward? And more so, if he does take a step forward, who does he take a step forward with? I mean, you've got Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, uh, Nelson Aguilar. Like, this is not a, uh, a trio of receivers that has a ton of, I don't know, excitement, but there is one guy. Revenge narrative here it is. Devontae Parker going against his old team, um, forty eight hundred with Mac Jones. Man, Mac Jones is cheap at fifty four hundred. I think I'd rather play like a Baker Mayfield than Mac Jones, but mm-hmm. I am interested in in quite possibly getting some Devontae Parker love.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, if you want to buy into the narrative, you could do that. And I am going to be fading New England. I am not going to play a single New England Patriot this week. <laughs> um, one thing is, is if, you, if you follow the, uh, the beat writers, um, the word out of New England is this offense has not clicked at all. In any of the training, in any of the OTAs, training camp, preseason, the offense is in disarray. Um, they just can't seem to get the click. Um, if that carries into the season, which I fully expect it, Um, I mean, I just read a report yesterday that said they're still not in sync. Um,
0: It's crazy because they have such great coaches on the offensive side of the ball and Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. I am I am shocked that this (laughs) offense is not coming together. So let me ask you if that's the case. That's what you're reading. I mean, can we maybe expect something out of New England that was similar to when New England played Buffalo last year? They just ran the ball. Like just ran it in that super win game prime time, just run the ball down their throat with Monday Stevenson with Damian Harris, and we just get a huge running game out of New England.
1: Yeah, and, and that's what I expect, to be honest with you, is New England is just gonna try to run the ball and control the clock. And they're gonna try to slow down Tua and Tyreek Hill. And I don't know if they'll be
0: successful. Also, well, on the other side of it though. New England had a pretty staunch defense last year. Where are you buying in on this on this Miami offense? Is it Chase Edmonds? Is it Mostert? Is it Tyreek Hill? Is it Jalen Waddle?
1: Um, I lean towards Waddle and Chase Edmonds. Um, I do think Chase Edmonds is the better of the two backs. Um, he's more dynamic in my mind. Um, it, we're just one snap away from Moser getting hurt and out for the season
0: again. Um, <laughs> we're just one snap away from him breaking an 80-yard rush, too. Like uh, <laughs> He seems to do those two things, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Um,
1: and I just think, I, knowing Bill Belichick and his defense, they'll do everything they can to take Tyreek out of the picture, so I, I think that opens Waddle up for some... Um, extra targets and, and from everything I've seen to doing had his best off season and, you know, take it for what you will from uh, Miami beat writers. Um, but he looks really good. So, um and he's throwing the ball deeper. I mean, that's why they brought Tyreek in is to try and stretch the field. And to me, I think that might open Waddle up a little bit more.
0: Gotcha. I, I kind of agree. I like Waddle quite a bit. Um, Next game on the slate, San Francisco and Chicago. Chicago's offense looks absolutely atrocious. Ugh, uh, it's, it's tough so gross. to like almost anybody <laughs> on this team. Uh, David Montgomery has always been kind of a volume guy. Darnell Mooney has in the past uh, produced, but at 5,700. Uh, you know just an offense going against what might be one of the best defenses this season in san francisco i i have absolutely no interest in chicago i think that they're going to struggle no. uh when it comes to the san francisco side of things i'm not sure that this offensive line is that good i don't know how they're going to play together it gives me some serious concern for elijah mitchell uh serious concern anybody that's running the ball for san francisco Debo Samuel is super, you know, expensive. Some people believe that he won't play the same type of role that he did last year. I tend to believe that he does, but maybe not at the same volume. A lot of people are going over to like a Brandon Ayuk, but, you know, look, we don't have to look too far back. But the beginning of the season last year where we absolutely thought Ayuk was going to take off and it took him like half the season or longer before he really got integrated into the offense. Now, I don't think that's going to happen here, but, um, I don't know. I've got a lot of concerns and question marks that I, I have to sort out on the San Francisco team. I think they score, you know, a couple times. I think they win this game. Uh, Vegas has them at 24. So maybe maybe I should be interested in Elijah Mitchell at, uh, at 5,400, especially now that I'm seeing his, his ownership like looks to be almost nothing.
1: <laughs> That's true. I mean, this is an ownership play. I, I'm not expecting a lot of fireworks on this game. Um, and when you're talking about, uh, Debo, he did, he did say, um, he did, he did come out and say he doesn't want to run the ball as much, right? He thought he was used way too much as a running back and, you know, and from his perspective that opens him up to more injuries and everything else, you know, he's worrying about himself and his career. So I, I see that cutting back a little bit, they'll still use him there once in a while, But last year was getting ridiculous with the amount they were using him in a running situation.
0: Absolutely selfish of him. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about a game that exists, uh, again, divisional. We've got Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts going to play uh, what could be a rookie sensation in Damian Pierce, uh, a guy that has jumped up draft boards. He's at 4,800. I've seen some buzz in some of our discords, uh, not really buying in. No.
1: Um,
0: I, I think that he, at, at that price, should be somebody that you consider. The problem I have is that this this linebacking core of Indianapolis is good. This defense is good. Yeah. Michael Pittman is probably going to be one of the highest owned guys on the entire slate at 5500. Um yeah, man, like I don't know, like I, I think if I'm playing Pittman, I might be playing Matt Ryan with him.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And and Pittman by far and wide is their is their number one receiver. And uh I'm not a Matt Ryan fan, but Matt Ryan in his career is always honed in on a single receiver and will feed the ball to him like crazy. So if if they have any chemistry whatsoever, Pittman's going to get a shitload of targets from Matt Ryan in this game.
0: Well, it's got to be somebody. And, you know, like it's Paris Campbell, it's Alec Pierce. These, these are the other guys that are on this roster. Um, or do they just decide to run the ball more? I don't know. I think Matt Ryan at 5,500 is a guy. He was on my short list of guys, you know, when I took my first glance through it. He's just too cheap right there. You look at what Matt Ryan has done throughout his career. Um, and even as like last year, I, I think that you can't, you, you can't take the second half of last year and, and hold it against him. He didn't do very well, but he had nobody. There was literally nobody on that team. Now we go back to when Calvin Ridley was playing for this team and Matt Ryan was putting up 20 to 25 points. He was thrown for 300 yards. That offense looked uh, still like shit. Like, let's be yeah. honest, but uh, not like a steaming pile. So we expect that, that Indianapolis comes into this game and wins. Uh, there's not a lot of expectations on the Texan side of things. I think that they could surprise a couple of people in some games. This game might be a little bit closer, uh, especially at the beginning part of it. Indianapolis just doesn't strike me as a team that just gets out in front of you and uh, builds a huge lead from a snowball. They, they, they're a grinded-out team, keeps it close. Uh, I think that that's an interesting spot. But you know, let, let's say that you do. Think that that's going to happen? I think a, a, a kind of an interesting spot is to play that Jonathan Taylor, but then you're playing the run back with Davis Mills, and you're playing the run back with Brandon Cooks. Mm. That I, I don't know, man. Like that seems kind of sneaky to me.
1: Yeah, I, it's not a game I really want to stack here. I if I if I'm playing Jonathan Taylor, first off, he's the highest priced running back, correct? so i don't know i don't i'm not really interested in any kind of run back here hey what'd he do against uh houston last year didn't he have like 200 yards and three touchdowns or something (laughs) uh
0: 143 yards two touchdowns 28 fantasy points um and oh yeah okay over the course of two games yeah it was like 288 and four so yeah he's uh did a lot against Houston last year. Houston was not a team that was very good against the rush. Uh, so I expect Jonathan Taylor to be owned. But, again, you mentioned his price tag. Uh, yeah. Makes you have to get creative.
1: $9,100. 9, and, and the sad thing is that's probably the cheapest we're going to see him in a while.
0: <laughs> true, true. Well, let's go to another kind of a high price running back, a guy that I'm kind of excited about for week one. I think that this New York Giants team is kind of bottom barrel, along with the Falcons, along with a couple other teams like the Chicago Bears that are just going to be just bad. Okay, and they were not a good team against the rush last year. They were a team that allowed a lot of 100 yard rushers. And then you've got Uh Derrick Henry coming in at 8600, a very fair price for a Derrick Henry. And there's just not a lot of weapons on this Tennessee team, and it's just the way that they're built. Like, quite frankly, I'd want to play the passing attack, but I don't want a roster like a Robert Woods or a Westbrook Akeem with Ryan Tannehill. I'd rather go to Derrick Henry and assume that Derrick Henry is going to get over 100 yards and hope that he finds his way into the end zone two, maybe three times. And uh, I think I'm going to do that at an ownership level that it might be a little bit low for derrick henry i don't know people kind of seem like they're out on it and and i totally get it like people are more interested in saquon barkley but like man we've seen derrick henry perform year in and year out over the last handful of years now yes he dealt with an injury that totally happens get it he's had a lot of a lot of miles put on those tires but like it's just a different type of vehicle than we're used to on the other side of things people are like really excited about the Saquon Barkley uh it's finally healthy bro we've seen Saquon Barkley we've seen him we know what he is we yeah. we also know what we want him to be and I think people are more going towards Saquon Barkley and what they want him to be I don't think he's that guy uh I don't think he's the guy that people want him to be I think he's somewhere in between. 6,100, I, I get it, but at 18 18, 19% ownership against a good rush defense of, of Tennessee or what we assume on the road, man, you have to hope that Saquon Barkley's catching a ton of balls, and I don't know if he is. I think that, the, you know, uh, Tony and Gallaudet and Sterling Shepard and all these other guys are going to get some balls. And so I think I'm kind of taking the stance that I'm not as interested in Saquon Barkley. Um, I, I don't know, man. I just – I don't think – people have ever adjusted. They, they have this, this idea in their mind from his rookie season and he is that explosive guy, but dude, the guy strikes out a ton. And I, I think he strikes out. On, on something. Yeah, it,
1: it's kind of weird. Cause we're talking about um, perception two ways here, right? So we have Derek Henry who has proven himself year in year out. And this year, everybody's like, Oh, he's not going to be as good. He's older going to slow down. They're going to cut his runs back. Blah blah blah. And then we have Saquon, who since his rookie year has been has been hurt. He's been hobbled. He hasn't done anything. And everybody's like, "Oh my god, he's healthy. He's just going to yeah, explode." Exactly. And it it's like, where, where is anybody getting
0: any of this? Okay. Um, look, Mark, we could look stupid. Saquon could be like that guy, but like I just think that there are so many times that we. Have this group think my mentality, and somebody points yeah. something out, we're like, "Oh, yeah, that makes total sense." And you, like there are guys like Robbie Anderson earlier this 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 podcast we talked about that just completely dud versus the group think, and, and I think it could be Saquon Barkley this year.
1: Yeah, but so they get to get back to the DFS part of this is I I don't know if I'm very interested in anything in this game, and maybe Derrick Henry because I will have to check ownership um, when we get closer to the slate. But right now it sounds like Saquon's going to be way too high owned to play. Um, so if, if Derrick Henry is a little lower ownership, yeah, I'll throw him in a couple of lineups. Um, but I'm not, I'm not interested in either passing game. So um, Galladay looks like crap. Doesn't even look like he's hardly trying in the preseason. All right. I know they said he was hurt, but I don't believe it.
0: <laughs> not a um, believer. I mean, what do you mean you don't believe it? He's always hurt. I think that's pretty <laughs> believable, right?
1: Yeah. I don't know. He just looks so disinterested there.
0: I mean, he got his money, you know. Yep. So, um, you know, the, I guess, so you're not interested in either of the past games, but what about Kadarius, Tony 4,100 guy is one of the most dynamic players with the ball in his hands. Uh, and his biggest problem has been a getting the ball in his hands and B staying on the field. Uh, so like this could be a situation though. Like, could we, you know, given an extra year, he's not on the injury report anymore. Could we get a game where he gets like those seven or eight or, you know, 10 targets. Like he, we saw a couple times last year and absolutely explosive. Great price. Kind of like Kadarius Tony here, especially because I'm assuming the Giants are trailing most of this game and trying to play catch up. So, um,
1: yeah, I mean that's yep that's that's great rationale. I'd have to look at the the uh ownership. He's at a, he's at a very good price. So. Oh, dude, there's
0: no. I mean, there's gonna be a ton of ownership on him. Uh, I, I bet you he's one of the higher owned uh wide receivers just on basis of price right now. I have him as like the third highest. Uh, wide receiver the other value we haven't gotten to but Pittman Blank Kadarius Toney haven't gotten to T Higgins haven't gotten to and even Jacoby Myers is coming in pretty high owned. So uh again, so, you know we talked about him a couple of weeks ago where the guy was just utterly consistent. And when you're as consistent as he is, you know you, you find a way on the rosters. Uh kind of kind of nice floor. But let's go to one of the games that I think probably will carry some ownership. Maybe not, not what I'm projecting, but it should. It should. It absolutely should. It is the Las Vegas Raiders going to Los Angeles to play like the Chargers, game. divisional game. This is one of the highest totals on the board. Yep. Um, man, these offenses are good. The, the Chargers last year were bad at stopping the run. Does this open up an opportunity for – uh, Josh Jacobs to, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to believe that Josh Jacobs partially because of my season long teams and my best ball, is going to have a great season, but you know, by all accounts, I've heard that this is going to be a committee, but like, you know, this could be a game where Josh Jacobs goes off and goes off at sneakily low ownership. Uh, on the other side of things, you know, you've got Devonte Adams, who's going to be sub 10% at 8,100. Uh, there is this Talk that Devonte Adams isn't, you know, he's lost Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to have this massive target share, but I think he might still have a massive target share. Him and David, or him and it's Derek, right? Wow, Jesus. Derek, yeah, Derek. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's holy what I always do. <laughs> I don't know where David Carr came from, but look, <laughs> they're boys, right? And we've talked yeah. about it and we've seen this in the NFL when a quarterback and a wide receiver have this, this, uh, friendship bond the power of friendship mark the power of friendship is strong it worked yep. for ig in 2020 uh at least to come back together and, and get uh, get a nice run the power of friendship won them a a world championship uh the power of friendship here for Devonte adams and Derek carr could be similar to the power of friendship that excelled uh cooper cup to be one of the elite wide receivers in the league uh it could be the power of friendship that made Stephon Diggs one of the elite wide receivers from a production base when he went to Buffalo after they were playing a ton of war zone, him and Josh Allen. I think Devontae Adams could be the same guy that he's always been. The question has been like that extra upside for Devontae has always been the red zone usage and that he was like the premier touchdown scoring wide receiver because Aaron Rodgers looked to him. There are other weapons here, but I think Devontae Adams can still have a real big game. Yeah. I,
1: I love that combo, man. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that stack in many lineups. I'm going to start with that. Um, it's like you say. there's, there's an article that came out this week how they almost died together in college. You know, they're, they're, they're best buds. Um, you know, Derek Carr went to management, went, you got to get Devonte over here. I want him. I want him as my number one receiver and I, he's, he's going to use him. I mean, th- I don't see where this is any difference from the way Aaron Rodgers uses them. So um, I see lots of targets. I think he's going to be a big red zone um, target as well, which is going to take some balls away from Hunter Renfro and and uh, I mean, and I,
0: Yeah, but look, Hunter Renfro is now going to actually have a threat on the outside. Hunter Renfro yeah. is not going to seem the same type of coverage that he started to see last year. So I think that he's going to be viable at 5,800. I, I maybe a little rich right now. Uh Darren Waller, I don't know, man. I get it. Darren Waller's good, but like Darren Waller disappears for long stretches. Yeah. Somebody offered me Darren Waller in uh in season long as a trade. And it's like, nah, man, I'm just not I'm not interested yeah. in, in, in Darren Waller. Uh I'll I'll rock with Gerald Everett and Evan Ingram and like all these other bad guys, because I don't want I don't want that De- or Darren Waller kind of roller coaster. Um, on the other side of things, you know Austin Eckler which super high, but he's eighty two hundred man. That guy is expensive, especially when you have a guy that I'm really high on in this offense. Cheap. We've got Mike Williams. I've seen him projected in different places by people I respect. As you know, a top wide receiver this year, wide receiver one inside the top 10. Mike Williams is obviously on your start list if he's on your season long team. But is Mike Williams starting for your DFS team this week?
1: I, I think it's uh very viable. Um is he my preferred choice on this team? No, but if you want to do a double stack, that's who I'm gonna go with.
0: He is my preferred choice. I would prefer him over Keenan Allen, if that's what you're alluding to.
1: Now, I, my, my main stack is going to be a Herbert Eckler. Um, I know it's expensive, but that would be my preferred stack. If I'm going to go double stack, I'm going to throw Mike Williams in there. And okay. I, I will do a uh, – because Eckler is uh, – what is he, one, two, the fourth highest um, priced running back – yeah. If I'm going to go just Herbert, one receiver, I'm going to go Mike Williams. Got
0: it. Okay. Uh, well, we're running short on time here. We're running over. We've got Green Bay. We've got Minnesota, another divisional matchup, a game that uh, two years ago had some absolute fireworks in, in week one and was part of the optimal lineup. But like this Green Bay team looks different. They don't really have anybody at all. I mean, I've I've heard people kind of slumming it assuming that sammy watkins based off of his week one production the last three years which has been three of his better games in that time frame as as a guy that they want to play romeo dobbs is really cheap at three thousand. you can make a lot of lineups work with putting him in there and justin jefferson has uh been the talk of the fantasy world i mean look this guy gets a ton of opportunities people think that this offense in minnesota is going to be uh taking a a step forward um obviously with a new regime and they think that Justin Jefferson is going to be the beneficiary of that. Adam Thielen, uh, old guy, thirty-two, I believe, maybe older, maybe younger. Uh, lost a step, hasn't looked as good, but man, Adam Thielen's only five thousand four hundred. Yeah. So that kind of, I don't know, that piques my interest when we look at a guy that even as he's lost a step last year was priced, you know, near seven thousand for most of the year and paid off that salary enough that. Um, so, fifty-four hundred seems like an absolute steal.
1: Yeah, that, that's who I was going to bring up, and he's still a favorite target of Cousins. I mean, Cousins loves the guy. We we're just talking about friends. That—that's another friend connection. He. Um. So I, I, I think Adam Thielen's a nice sneaky play that you can get. You can get in. Everybody's going to be focused on Jefferson, including the Green Bay defense.
0: Well, you know who else is uh, kind of sneaky because people are going to be focusing on Thielen. He's at 15% ownership. Justin Jefferson's at 17% ownership. People are focusing on him, but you know who they're not focusing on? One of my first-round draft picks, Dalvin Cook, 4.8% ownership. Uh, Dalvin Cook, like that? It, are you interested in playing 12%? Dalvin Cook? 4%. 4%. Yes.
1: Dalvin Cook's at
0: 4%. Correct
1: hell yeah I'm interested
0: Dalvin Cook's one of the uh I mean th- there are a couple guys but he's like one of the premier guys like the S tier guys that's under that 10 percent um Eckler obviously because of his price Camara uh and cook those are the three guys that are sub 10 percent but look to have huge roles on their teams um I, I think that that's an interesting place um uh, especially if you want to build like I mean I don't know what it looks like on fan duel but a lineup with like Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook kind of sounds interesting to me. I don't know how you can make that work. They're both expensive guys. But uh, let's go to this last game. Mark, okay. Kansas City, 29 and a half. Patrick Mahomes, no Tyreek Hill. But he's got, you know, MBS. I know you like MBS. I think you have some warm feelings for MBS. No, that's get... not That's danger. Ah, Okay. I like got, Juju. Well, we've got Juju. We've got Rondell Moore. Uh, we've got Arizona. This is in Arizona. Arizona is a four and a half point dog. Five, five and a half point. Five and a half. That's how you did math. Rondell Moore is one of the highest owned guys at four thousand. I mean, Marquise Brown, newly acquired guy, also highly owned. What What are your thoughts on um, on this game?
1: Is Moore for sure playing? Wasn't he banged up? I don't know. Um,
0: I yeah, I think he is. I don't. I don't see. Uh, he wasn't listed on the injury report Wednesday, so he had a, he had a concussion, but he's good to go.
1: Okay. Um, I I know Arizona, even with more playing, has had a ton of injuries, and they also have, um, oh God. <laughs> uh. What's his name? Suspended. Uh, Hopkins. Yeah. Hopkins is suspended. Um, Man, I just I I really like James Conner in this uh, situation. I I don't think Kansas City was all that great against the run last year Um, with uh, Chase Edmonds gone. Conner's the man. And uh, that's kind of where I'm leaning on anybody in Arizona. I'm not. I mean, A.J. Green. He's worthless in this game.
0: Well, Mark, this is a spot where I think I'm taking uh, a little bit of a different stance than a lot of people. Uh, okay. I think Kansas City has a down year. I think they struggle. Uh, I still think that they're a good team and they're going to be viable from week to week in DFS. I think that they go into Arizona and they lose. Uh, this is not a bad Arizona team. Like we talked about, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, uh, they're over under total for wins eight and a half. Just seems crazy from a team that won 11 games. Uh, yeah, I get it. Hopkins is out, but they did trade and get Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore. And they have a ton of speed on that team. I'm really interested in Marquise Brown in this game. Specifically, yeah. uh, James Conner is a guy that I, I think you have to pay attention to because he has just overwhelming, uh, touchdown equity. But I don't think James Conner is a guy that A I wanted in season long, and B is a guy that I want to play at seven thousand. Like he's gonna have to score multiple touchdowns. Kyler Murray continually, year after year, one of the best quarterbacks before the new Call of Duty comes out. And uh, <laughs> at seventy two hundred, like this is gonna be a game. I think I love, I love him. Even if you think that like Kansas City has a good game and is a good team this year, like Kyler Murray should be a guy that's on your radar for this game. You know, I I guess I'm just not buying it. Like, I'm not buying the Juju Smith Schuster hype. Like, look, dude had a good rookie year. He had Antonio Brown on the other side. Uh, He's just never done it since then. Yeah, look, this is a huge upgrade for him in quarterback but he's just not that guy. He doesn't have that dog in him. You know, he's a really good R, like uh, wide receiver two, maybe wide receiver three, but within this offense, I, I just don't know if he's any of those guys. Now, MVS is a guy that is kind of interesting to me, but I don't think that, I think MVS and Juju kind of together will be what Tyreek Hill is. Uh, Tyreek, you know, has the the reputation of being the speedy guy that burns guys on deep routes and he absolutely does but he got a lot of his catches uh out of the slot uh short catches and that's where a lot of his volume came from i don't think either of these guys end up having that volume having kind of that breakaway speed with the volume i should say MVS is a guy that does catch a lot of deep balls but i just don't think he's going to get you know 10 targets a game um if I was playing Patrick Mahomes, I think MVS is a guy that I would play as part of the stack. But Arizona wins this game. That's my big stand. Kansas City maybe even misses the playoffs this year. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not even playing. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey is certainly playable at 6600. Um, I wouldn't hate that, but I'm playing some Marquise Brown. I might even play a little Rondell Moore. I, you know, look, Mark. I don't know. I might even play a little Rondell Moore with the defense. I don't know. I don't know. It hasn't worked yet, but it'll work one day, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, I like I like Hollywood Brown. I thought this was a good place for him to go. Um, I think Kyler is going to love him. Um, on the Kansas City side, we'll say one thing: Andy Reid um, currently has like the best opening day record of any head coach. He he for some reason just wins even back in his Philadelphia games days uh, opening opening day whether it's on the road or at home. Um, But, you know, I kind of tend to agree with you. I think it's going to be a down year for Kansas City. They can, Mahomes is great, but it's not the same team. And they're hoping that uh, Kelsey is going to bounce back from last year.
0: We'll see. All right. Well, that was first sit by Draft for Upside. Just a quick rundown of some of these games, uh, some of our initial thoughts. Obviously, these things are going to change over the next couple of days. With any additional news uh ownership and just you know general mood changes uh mark do you have anything in closing
1: uh no not anything special just uh if if you guys want to keep up with us join us on our patreon uh we have a private discord you go to patreon.com slash draft for upside and sign up we're we're going to give you free access until october 1st you won't receive a bill And we'll we'll be in those chats, we'll build lineups with you, we'll we'll help you out, we'll answer questions. It's season-long DFS, it doesn't matter. We'll even do prop betting for
0: you. All right, sounds good. Well, Mark, uh that's it for me then.
1: All right, thank you again, and uh look forward to next week.
0: Take care.